The Lord, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. And uh, we've uh, begun a class on core convictions uh, of our fellowship as well as uh, the Chandler congregation. And uh, so what, what, when I use that term, uh, what does that mean to you? What, what does the term core mean to you? When I say core conviction, what does the word core mean to you? Anyone at all? <clears throat> Lytle? It, it means central. It means that you're built around those convictions. Okay. So when you're built around something, you, f you function around them, your decisions are based on that. If it's core, not just convenient, there's a big difference. That means when you encounter a situation, you, you know this is right, this is wrong, so I'm going to do what's right. Nobody has to watch you. It's kind of like our politicians. No. Well, anyhow. Kind of like what? Our politicians nowadays? Okay, yeah, yeah. So your core is the center out of which everything, the stability, the direction, the future is built. Uh, if you've ever had a radiator go bad, they'll say we need to change the core. They'll take the guts out of your radiator, so to speak. You need a new core. Uh, core training. Uh, that which uh, holds your body together, that if your core is bad, you can do your apps and all kind of different things and biceps, uh, but, but you, you're not going to have the strength. <clears throat> and so the core is critical to the future. Uh, this congregation, we can't uh, uh, minister to and support over 100 churches out on the field, uh, including missionaries, without the core being strong. And that's true of you as a family. That's true as an individual. And so one of the, uh, we must have a, a core. We need to understand what's the center that built this church and brought it to this place. What are convictions? Someone, what, what are convictions? What does that word mean to you? Your convictions. Anybody? Golly, you have any? Should I had one and I lost it, and I, I don't even know what. It, Alec, convictions. Convictions is um, a strong belief. Um, something. It's almost kind of like the the thought of uh, where um, God says, "Write um, write His commandments upon our hearts." It's kind of something to that degree where something's so part of you. It's, um, it's very hard to alter or change. Okay. Uh, someone else. What is convictions? Uh, that's true. What, anybody want to add to that? Your convictions. Uh, yes? Chautauqua? When I think of conviction, it reminds me when I was a new convert that, um, and I was having a talk, you know, with someone I was asking about modesty and different questions like that. You know, do we speak on it? What should we do? And then I, and then they told me, you know, that if you tell someone something, especially in the walk of God, that it doesn't become their conviction, that their obedience to it becomes, oh, now because you mentioned it to it, but a conviction is something, it's a life-changing thing, and that it becomes your lifestyle versus if someone do something for the outer appearance, it's not a conviction. Okay. It's just, uh, I guess, a temporary obedience because soon they get upset with you, then no longer they, they don't follow on that. So conviction is like, you know, 
it's something that's personal. And when you have a conviction that's given by God, rather, it's the way you dress or being on time for outreach and doing different things like that. You can't, you'll have no fault. You know, when you think about when you compare it to God, because God is righteous. And if you're going to have base your conviction off what man do, it becomes temporary. Okay, so, so where, let me follow up on that. So where does your convictions come from? I'm, a, I'm asking you. Kevin? Okay, the word of God. Billy? Okay, the word of God. And so as a Christian, uh, you need to embrace biblical convictions. And so we've talked about core convictions. You must embrace biblical convictions, not the culture, not the world, not your past, not your family, a lot of things. And so what shapes your convictions? What, how do you, Betty? It's not on, is it? Can, can you? <laughs> Problem solved. After all that. <laughs> Go ahead. What was the question? <laughs> what what uh, shapes your convictions? Well, I think a lot of it is... And why um, are they so important? I would think the decisions you make. Okay. And, um, and those decisions usually that you make uh, hopefully would be godly and God-led. Okay, yeah, your, your convictions are, uh, are shaped uh, uh, by decisions. You make a decision, and uh, this with your children, you impart convictions to them. You train them. Training them is your shaping their conviction. The test of children is always when they leave home or their parents leave. Do they have convictions about the house of God, word of God, living for God, etc.? And so your convictions come by the Holy Spirit, and when you surrender to conviction, it becomes your conviction. Then your obedience. Uh, you've heard me do uh, classes on the brain, the synopsis of the brain. You know, have these millions, billions, and these different paths where when you make decisions, these synopsis, they connect. It's like a spark. And if you keep making it over and over and over again, it'll weld together. And that becomes an attitude or that becomes a habit, uh, that becomes a mental conviction. It's welded together. And anything close to that, it grabs it. And this is as simple as a conviction to brush your teeth when you get up in the morning. Uh, can, uh, and, but it's, we're talking about spiritual dynamics. We're talking about a church. Uh, we have core convictions. Uh, Ryan, you wanted to add something to that? Uh, I was just going to say it's your morals. Your morals is okay. a big part of it. Okay. And convictions are much stronger than values. They're much deeper. They're much uh, uh, more critical. You, some people have values, but you put them, 
in, a, in, a, in a setting and they'll, their values sometimes, they'll cast them off. We've, we're talking about uh, telling the truth and keeping your word and et cetera. We're going to pick that back up in just a moment. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, we have core convictions here as a corporate body that has brought us to this place and, and the difficulty is over time and generations and stuff, uh, you, you're at a place but you don't realize what got you there or what helped you get there. And so let me read 2 Timothy 1 verse 13 and 4. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And so we moved uh, last week into telling the truth uh, and the revelation of your words. And we talked a little bit about God said, God said, God said. And so let me just, uh, to lock your mind in, so, uh, so what, what is the uh, uh, revelation about words uh, when you speak? Anybody? What's the revelation? George? They have the power of life. They have the power of death. They create. Uh, like I said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And since he spoke, the universe is expanding. What you say never stops having impact. Okay. Words, uh, and this is uh, sometimes lost. Your words have creative power. Uh, what you speak to your wife, how you speak to her. How you speak to your husband helps shape them. How you speak to your children. Uh, how you speak in the church. How you speak about other people. Uh, what you say about God or don't say about God. Uh, all of this, it, has a, it, it creates a culture and a climate. Uh, and our church has a culture and a climate um, that was created by our convictions. And that culture and that climate is going to de determine and dictate what can live, what can flourish there. In some cultures and climates, if, there's, if, it's, if it's trash talking, cursing, belittling, uh, undermining, cynical, critical, then that, that produces. That, that's true of homes. That's true of families. That's true of neighborhoods sometimes. Uh, the media uh, and, but what it creates, it creates immoral people, uh, hate, uh, prejudice, bitter. Uh, uh, I'm going to uh, solve the problem with the, my fist or with a gun or something. And so uh, life and death is in the power of your words. You're married. I can, I can predict the future of your marriage. And, and this, this one, we, you've heard the statistics on it. Uh, this uh, this guy years ago, uh, they they would put this couple in a room, and uh, he would uh, tape uh, their conversation, and I forget what it was in in like ten or fifteen minutes of con he could predict the success or failure of their marriage, and he's like ninety something percent right, and so uh, <clears throat> your 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 words are powerful, and uh, so when you give someone your word. You're giving them you. Uh, just uh, this thing, I was meant to bring the article in here with me. Maybe someone 
Smith, I think was named, played for the New Orleans Saints. Um, some of you, uh, uh, he just got killed over a fender bender. And who knows all the dynamics that's still coming out. Um, uh, uh, the guy tapped him, the other guy followed him, and um, there was some words exchanged, and the guy shot him, killed him, and, and shot his wife a couple of times in the leg over words, over fender bender. And, and who knows, maybe more will come out, maybe there's more to it. Uh, but here's a guy. Uh, played for the New Orleans Saints, uh, 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 took them to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, I guess. I'm not, I'm not big on the NFL. but uh, and, then, and then here he is, uh, uh, made a lot of money, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and uh, uh, expensive home. Uh, there was a Mercedes and a, um, I don't know, Hummer or something involved, and yet over some words, now the guy's dead. And life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so uh, anybody want to add anything to what's been said at this point? Core convictions, and so part of the core convictions, and, and I quoted Frank last week when he made that statement, listen, we keep our word around here. Spoke this to a new convert. We keep our word. Do you keep your word? And so... Uh, Anybody want to add anything to that? Anybody want to step in now? And, and uh, um, anybody? Okay. So we want to. Uh, so what about lying? Are you a liar? I need some scriptures. Uh, uh, John eight forty four. Who will get that for me? John eight forty four. Uh, yes, John eight forty four. Genesis three one. Uh, uh, and Genesis three four. Uh, Raymond Acts five three. Acts 5.3, uh, Guillermo, uh, 2 Kings 5.22-27, uh, let me, uh, uh, who's got a good loud voice? Anybody, come on, anybody got their Bible? David, uh, Proverbs 6, Christian, if you get this, Proverbs 6, 16-19, um, and um, so let's, let's, let's work through this here. Okay, here's some statistics in America. 60% of people can't go 10 minutes without lying. This is a recent statistic. Uh, by age four, 90% of children have grasped the concept of lying. Where are most lies seen? On resumes and uh, dating sites. 90% of dating sites is lies. Lying is more common by text, email, or phone than face-to-face. -face. I've known that for years. This is why you'll get in trouble texting uh, someone that you would, if you were looking at them face-to-face -face at Walmart, you would have never gone down that road. And that's why, and so it's addictive, they say. Now, this is secular. Listen to this. It says 60% of the United States citizens can't go 10 minutes without lying. And it gave um, uh, the reason for lying is to get out of trouble, escape personal responsibility, or to make yourself look good. People will lie to escape responsibility. Or they're caught in something, they'll lie to try to get out of it. 
Or like on these dating sites, they want to make themselves look good. Uh, you know, you, you are Frankenstein in real life. And um, anyway, praise the Lord. Okay. So, um, so let's look, though, at the Bible and what God has to say about lying. And I dare say everyone here, uh, you've lied. Some, of course, uh, more uh, horrible than others. Uh, but is this your habit? Is this your addiction? Do you lie? It, it just, I mean, when you don't even have to. Do you lie to get out of trouble? Do you lie to your wife, your husband? Do you lie to escape responsible? Where were you? Yeah, you told me you were going to help me. You told me you're going to be here. You're going to do this here, and you're late. Oh, <clears throat> you know, it just uh, and you got some. You threw out some lie which wasn't true at all. You were asleep, or you were eating, or you were doing something that uh, you. And so you can't function. A church can't function like that. So let's look at John eight forty four. If you'd read that for me, John eight forty four. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. Okay, so keep this up here a minute. He said, you're the devil. Here he's giving a, a resume, a portfolio of the devil. Okay? If you, so if you want to be like the devil, here's what you do. And he, he breaks it down. You do not stand in the truth. You do not stand in the truth. Huh? Because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. What does that mean? What was Jesus saying there? For he is a liar, and he's not just lying. He's, when he lies, he's speaking. What does that mean, George? Okay, uh, so if you're a liar, what does that say about you? If you lie, that's who you are. That's your resources that are coming out of your mouth. What you are will come out of your mouth. If you're an angry person... If you're a lustful person, if you're a bitter person, or if you're a person of faith, if you're a person of redemption, if you're a person of kindness, if you're, if you're gracious, um, it, it'll come out. Who you are will come out of your mouth. And that's what he's saying. So he's saying, but he's saying, here is the originator. He is the father of it. Who's your daddy? No, okay. And so uh, he's the father of lies. And so he builds his kingdom by deception, and he's a master liar. You go all the way back to Genesis. Uh, he deceives by lying to you. He builds his kingdom by lies. God builds his kingdom by truth. So as a church, if we're going to build and extend the kingdom of God, there has to be truth. Okay? And so... Um, uh, Genesis 3, 1 and 3, 4. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Okay, uh, that's what I was talking about. He lied. She did die. 
has got he his lies are different flavors across the board, but he is a liar. And the problem, if you're a liar, you have a tendency to believe his lies. Okay, Acts 5, 3 and 4. Did I give that to anybody? But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay. Next verse. Verse 4. While it remained, uh, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own? Go ahead, read it. In your own control. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Okay, so here's something. This guy's in the church. You've heard me preach about Ananias and Sapphira. And, but it's interesting. When it came to lying, it said Satan filled your heart. You've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then again, he reiterates it. You have not lied to men, but to God. Now think of that. When you tell a lie, you may be, he was looking at Peter. When you lie to someone in the church, I'll pay you back Friday. In 2083. <laughs> Kingsies. Uh, and so, uh, and so, uh, think of this. When you lie, something is filling your heart, and out of your heart flows the issues of life. <clears throat> you come into the church, you're saved, God forgives you, gives you a miracle, but you've got to have your heart. There has to be a cleansing. There has to be a changing. There has to be uh, where you used to lie, and you have to, God and his truth has to, and the Holy Spirit has to begin to flood that. So are you a liar? Do you lie when it comes to money? <clears throat> Do you lie when it comes to time? Do you lie to make yourself look good? Do you lie to escape responsibility? I'll never forget this woman years ago. And anytime she didn't want to do something, she would try to manipulate us, all of us. Connie would remember this. And she would, sick, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. And she wasn't sick. Well, as soon as we decided to do what she wanted to do, she immediately healed. <laughs> but you know how she died? She died of sickness, horrible sickness. Died of cancer. A very young, very, very young. And you wonder... If a door wasn't opened by her lies. But remember, when you tell a lie, you're not lying to that. You see that person, but you're lying to God. You have not lied to men, but to God. That's, that's, that's incredible. And, of course, the story, they fell over dead. Raymond? <clears throat> Um, as we're talking about this, a uh, time popped up in my mind when, uh, before I got saved, um, I was uh, leaving uh, one of my friend's houses. He uh, sold sold weed, and um, I had gotten pulled over because my tail light was out, 
And I remember the uh, police officer, you know, he was asking me questions, you know, where'd you just come from? And, you know, I'm making up stories, you know, I came from the grocery store. He was like, well, what grocery store did you come from, you know? And uh, what I realized at that time and what I'm realizing now is, like, it's impossible to tell one lie. You know, yeah. just like you said, you're a liar. You know, you, when you lie once, you have to, like, tell other lies to protect that lie. Yeah. So it's impossible for one person just to lie once. Yeah, uh, liars want to be ambiguous. Truth has detail. <clears throat> well, when I'm talking to people and it's intense and they, uh, they'll say, uh, so, uh, so I'll say, so where were you? Oh, I was out. Were you out where? Well, I was just out. Well, who were you with? Well, I was just with some of the, some of the, some of the guys. We were just saying, no, who were they? Give me their names. What time was it? <clears throat> Well, we had a meal. Well, how much did it cost? <laughs> and, and that's when they get all, because they're lying, and, and truth always has detail. Truth has detail. And I've learned over the years in counseling to ask for the details. Where lies, it's always general. <clears throat> well, you know, you, you come dragging in, and I hope nobody, I'm just throwing this out. Uh, you get off work at, at 4.30 and you show up at midnight. Well, where were you? Oh, just out. Now, I'll tell you about sin. Sin, there's always an absence of time and money. Unaccounted time and unaccounted money is the mark of sin. Praise the Lord. And truth has detail. <clears throat> uh, okay, Second uh, Kings five twenty-two through twenty-seven. And so Ananias and Sapphira died, and they both died in church. Okay, <clears throat> so Second uh, Kings five twenty-two to twenty-seven. And he said, "All is well. My master has sent me, saying, Behold, even now there come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee." A talent of silver and two changes of garments. Okay, let, let me stop and give the background and then you can finish it, Dave. Uh, here's Gehazi. Naaman has been powerfully healed. He's a Syrian general. No doubt he brought wealth with him. Uh, he's, he's thinking he's going to have to pay or, or whatever. And he's on his way back to Syria. Gehazi is Elisha's uh, disciple. He evidently somewhere, he saw this money, this wealth, uh, so he runs after Naaman, <clears throat> and he creates this story. It has a missionary flavor to it. Two young men, the sons of the prophet, have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Go ahead. Did you want me to read through 27? Uh, go ahead. Read the next verse, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> verse and, Naaman, and Naaman said, be content, take two talents, and he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house, and he let the men go, and they departed. But when he went in and stood before his master, but he went in and he stood before his master, and Elijah said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went nowhere. And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with you, when the man turned again from the chariot to meet thee? 
Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants? The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. Okay, so keep that last verse up for me, please. So here's this story. <clears throat> he wants this money. He wants the silver, the garments, etc. So he creates a spiritual climate to it. One, he lies about the, the spiritual dynamic of it. Then he uses uh, Elisha's name. He throws out Elisha's name to give credibility to it and credence to it. Uh, and then he hides it. This is true of lies. People who lie will create these fictitious needs and dynamics of life. <clears throat> and uh, uh, they create this, and then they'll name drop. Okay? And then they always want to hide. They want to cover it. And so, but here, very interesting what happens. Uh, the man of God said, did not my heart go with you? Tragic word, did not my, here's Gehazi in line perhaps for a double portion of Elisha's ministry. Elisha got a double portion of Elijah's ministry. Here he is in a, he's, he's on a path to destiny, but in his heart he runs after the silver, the garments, the world, the flesh, and the leprosy that was upon Naaman came upon him. You could not minister before the Lord with leprosy, type of sin. <clears throat> and so here, a lie destroyed his destiny. <clears throat> he ends up in the king's court uh, telling the stories of, of Elisha's ministry and et cetera. Uh, tragic, tragic uh, dynamic. So, so liars, somewhere uh, God will judge you. <clears throat> Excuse me. As a child of God, you claim to be a Christian and you're a liar. Somewhere, God will judge you. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. These six things do the Lord hate. Yes, seven are abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift running to mischief, a false witness that speak a lies, and he that sowed discord among brethren. Okay, God hates you, he says, if you lie and you are a false witness. God says, I hate you. False witness speaks lies, one who sows discord. Because people who lie, and, and, and what is that word, false witness? What, what does that mean? Anybody? What does it mean? Anybody? What does that mean to you? You're a false witness. Anybody? Yes. Well, to me, it means pretty much being like lukewarm, being like lukewarm, riding the fence, and uh, like uh, you know, you go, you go tell people about Jesus, about God, this and that, but then you turn around, and you go, you know, do wickedness, you okay. false, false witness. Okay, uh, John, you had your hand up. Okay, court, you would testify to uh, speak, and, they, and you raise your right hand to speak the truth, and then you perjure yourself by 
by speaking something else, it's not true. It's so in that regard, it's a, it's a court term for perjury and whatnot. Okay. Uh, he's not a character witness. He's a false witness. And it normally has to do with other people. You're, you're, uh, you're, it's, you're lying about other people. You're lying when it comes to someone else. You don't like them or you want to discredit them. Uh, you want to bring some kind of detrimental uh, charge to their character or their life. And so you lie about them. You, you tell lies when it comes. And of course it follows up. Uh, this is how people sow discord and strife and, uh, and etc. And so a church must be built on truth. <clears throat> I need some scriptures. Ephesians 4.25. Who will get that for me? Ephesians 4.25. Guillermo. Uh, Colossians 3.9 and 10. Colossians 3.9 and 10. John, uh, John 14.16. Uh, Billy and John 8.32 as well. John 14.16 and 8.32. John 16.13. Uh, who will get that for me? Alec, uh, Psalms 145.18. Who will get that? 145.18. Uh, Caleb, also get for me, Caleb, uh, Ephesians 6.14. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. Who will get that? 2 Timothy. George, uh, uh, John 4.24. Uh, who will get that for me? Israel, would you get that for me? Um, 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 uh, would you um, get John 4.24 for me? First uh, John five twenty, first John five twenty. If you get that for me, First Timothy three uh, five. If you get that, so let's look at these. Ephesians four twenty five. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, because we are members. He's talking about the church here. We're members one with another. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Lie not to one another. See that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Okay, one of the, one of the marks that you put on Christ is you don't lie. That's a, that's a mark that, uh, that you put on Christ. And, he, and this is why John 14, 16 and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide in you forever. Fourteen six. I'm sorry. Oh. 14.6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, he says, I'm the truth. And then I think I gave for you John 8.32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Yeah, your level of freedom is linked to the truth you embrace and speak. You ought to write that down somewhere. Your level of freedom, you'll know the truth, truth sets you free. Your level of freedom is directly linked to how you embrace and speak the truth. Some people, liars are never free. It's kind of like Raymond says, you've got to build this whole, one lie has to defend another, has to cover another, and these trap you in life. But freedom, if you want to be free, it comes from uh, embracing 
applying, accepting, and speaking the truth, and you'll be free. This is why, this is why confession, you've heard me, I've been stirred the last, uh, oh, I don't know, eight or ten months. Repentance is so powerful. It's such an incredible, it sets you free. Why? Because you speak the truth about you and, and God and your relationship. That's why it's so, it sets you free. Then you're not having to play this mind game of defending and, and protecting and supporting of something that's not true about you. Confession and repentance. Say, God, it's me. I'm guilty. I, I'm, forgive me. And wow, that's how you got saved. But it's not just in salvation. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dynamic of relationship with God and people in life. Okay, uh, John 16, 13. Howbeit he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that he shall speak. And he will show you things to come. Okay, the spirit of truth. Psalms 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. Okay, uh, Ephesians 6, 14. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place. Okay, remember we talked about the core? And so here's Paul and he's talking, he's looking, they feel, at a centurion soldier, uh, uh, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, shoes shod with the gospel of peace, all these things, breastplate of righteousness. And then uh, what held all of your armor together was around, uh, was this core that you're girded, I think the old King James says, your loins are girded with truth. And this is what gave you your strength. It's what bound you up and held your, uh, so many things in place. And that's core again. Our core must be in truth. That's preaching, we have to preach the truth. Speaking, we have to speak the truth. Uh, we have to embrace the truth about ourselves. We, and and this, this is how you build your marriage. This is how you build your children. This is how you build character. This is how you find destiny and future. Jesus is the way. A way, it's a way. You're going somewhere. Going down the highway of life. The truth and life. What held the way and life together was truth. Okay, Second uh, Timothy 2.15. <clears throat> Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, John 4.24. Israel. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. Okay, uh, <clears throat> this is, has to do with worship. You worship in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit is active in a church, and we worship God, uh, we worship God that his spirit, we enter his gates and enter his courts, uh, into his presence uh, with praise and thanksgiving. So we enter into God's presence, which is, and his spirit's involved, and that spirit, when it fills a church, when it, there's truth. And we worship in truth. If you're going to come to God, one of the things, you can sing songs. Oh, how I love Jesus. It could be unending. 
Jesus, lover of my soul, and all these things. You could sing all kinds of songs. But if you don't love the truth and the spirit of the truth, how many of you know what the spirit of the truth is? And we, we know it's the Holy Spirit. But how many you know when you talk to people sometimes, they're giving you factual details, but their spirit is not of truth. They're leaving out critical dynamic. What they're saying may not be a lie, but what they're leaving out changes the whole picture. Or their attitude is so foul, you, you, you don't care if they are telling the truth. Well, you do, but you don't. George. I've got family members not here back east. And their whole claim is, and I know I've said this before, well, what about the truth? What about the truth? What about the truth? And God's intended purpose for the truth is to heal, to, cor to correct, to guide, to help us structure our lives. You know, your word is a lamp unto my feet and, you know, a light unto my path. You know, truth is intended... To be a blessing, healing. You said the, the, the truth, it, it takes the power away from every lie because there is nothing else. Yeah. Everything else is a lie. But their thing is, like you're saying, attitude, you know, well, what about the truth? Truth is not meant to be a bludgeon. It's not meant to be something that you batter people with and, and beat them into submission. It's meant to be a, a source of healing so that we can bring them to the knowledge of Jesus and to, to faith in what the Holy Spirit's intention is. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, if, what if you leave here today and you, you drive over here uh, to Arizona and Pecos, you're going home, and that light lied to you. It showed you green. But really it meant red because the other traffic is green. What if your eyes lied to you? What, what, what if you're, you're, you're crossing the railroad track here and your eyes look down there and say, wow, it's fantastic, go. And there's this, this, this locomotive. <laughs> what if your hand lied to you? Well, oh, I love you. <laughs> Or, or you, you said to your hand, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're eating and, and, and you, sh you got a fork and you start to, and, and your hand tried to make you eat the fork rather than being a utensil. What if you're, and this is, you know, palsy in these things, that's what it is. Your body is no longer sending a true signal. It's not communicating properly. If you, you, and that's one of the problems when you get old. You start to get up. That's why you hear me say, you know it's, it's going to be a good day. And you get up in the morning and everything works. <clears throat> Put your feet on the floor. You can still feel the floor. Praise the Lord. And, 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 but that all has to do with truth. Well, that's, not just, that's true in the body of Christ. I'm going to have to close. Golly. Revelations 21.8. I don't want you to miss this. Who's got it? Revelate, put it up on the board. Revelations 21.8. They're in the background. Quit talking. 
Do your job. Leave them women alone back there. Revelations 21.8. That's the truth. <clears throat> Revelations 21.8. The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all, all shall have their part in the Which is, if you're a liar, you're sexually immoral, murderer, sorcerer, idolatry, you're going to have your part in the lake of fire. You don't want that. Amen. And so anyway, uh, we're going to have to close. I got other scriptures. God bless you this morning. Speak the truth. Amen. God bless you.